Before I decided to follow Jesus, I sought and went after a lot of temporary earthly pleasures. Led me to basically no good places. Ever since I was saved, I feel like I have that solid foundation that the Bible talks about so that whenever life storms comes uh, at me, I'm, uh, I'm rooted in that solid foundation, in the Word, in Jesus, and in God. Uh, my family was kind of falling apart. He's made it very happy and more peaceful. And it changed my life, and I became happier. Jesus has given me hope. He has um, helped me to see that no matter what storm comes, no matter what I have to face throughout my, throughout my days and no matter how bad the days get, that he's always there no matter what with me uh, through, through each step that I take. I feel so alone and I feel so lost and the only person that is like really gonna fix that is having God in my life and so I decided to stop blaming him and to just give my life over to him. No matter how alone I felt and how lost I felt that God would always be there for me and I would never really truly be alone as long as God was there with me. everybody. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, if you're brand new and you just kind of thought, you know, I'm going to go to church and you're, you're just thinking about this, you, you came in on a party. Now that's a good thing, but sometimes if you come in on a party, you're like, what's this about? And you don't know what it's about or whose birthday it is. It's just, you're there, there was cake or you just showed up, whatever. Uh, I want to talk about why we are celebrating as a church today. So all locations, I, I want you to hear that, every location is having baptisms this weekend. Now that includes, just so you know, West, East, and the fellows at RCMU. We are having baptisms at every location. That's awesome, huh? Yeah. But we as a church have decided, let's not do some of these things that are important. Let's not do them without understanding what's going on. And so, so to do so, I, I got to take you into my relationship with my wife before she was my wife. Her, her name's Katie, and she and I were dating. We were living in Manhattan, Kansas. If you've ever been there, uh, you may not remember it, but it, you're in Manhattan. We were in Manhattan, Kansas, and, and we were dating, and that involved, you know, long conversations, walks, walks in the park, you, you know the drill. Well, it came to the point, and if you've ever been in a romantic relationship, you know what I'm talking about. It came to the point that someone needed to say something about where the relationship was. Now, now I'm ashamed to tell you, <clears throat> it was Katie who said it first. And I think you know when I say said it first is, she's the one that looked at me and said, I love you. That's supposed to be a romantic moment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some of you are like, I knew I didn't like you. Now I know why I don't like you. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a bad season of my life. I, I've changed my ways. But, but Katie was the one that looked at me. And, and, and I could just picture her eyes now. Where, I mean, they were beautiful. And she said, I love you. you got, now, here's what I was thinking when I heard it. When she said, I love you, all I heard was, if I repeat those words back, I'm locked down into doing dishes the rest of my life. And, and I was one of those commitment phobia guys. Some of you are like, I know, I, yeah, I knew it. Now, I, 
But I remember that moment. In fact, I'll never have that moment wash away at all because I didn't respond well, okay? I will confess to you in front of people, okay? I did not respond well. But it changed our relationship. Because here's what I would say, and I think you would agree this because maybe you've had the same experience. When when someone says those words to you, I, I love you, it changes the relationship. It, it either propels it or in some instances uh, ends it. <laughs> and, and what I would tell you is when you when you speak out loud how you feel inside, when what's happening internally in, in your in your heart, your soul, your mind, when you actually say it, not like, yeah. We've been holding hands and there's that assumption that we like each other. But when you speak it, the relationship changes. And I'll tell you why. Because the moment that you go public with what you believe, you are then put in front of people in such a way that you've processed, do I really mean this? It's this public thing. If you're a musician, you even get this. Some of you, you're musicians, and you're what I call closet musicians, in that you, you, you play the guitar at home, but not in front of anybody at all. It's in a closed-door setting, and some of you, you've written songs. No one's ever heard those songs. No one's ever seen those written. I read those because they're that personal to you. And anytime, talk to any musician, anytime a musician out loud brings forth, here's the songs I've written, and, and they let their talent come out. You and I don't think as much about it, but it's so personal to them. Anytime that you bring what's going on inside and you make that public, it is a huge deal, especially when it comes to a relationship. It's why we don't let kids just practice their songs and their music class at school. There's always the spring concert or the fall or the winter or whatever, all, whatever the concerts. And we gather together, we huddle together, and they play their instrument, they sing, because it's a big deal when it goes public. Well, listen, what's happened to you internally, who you love in your life, if you keep that inside, you limit, listen, you limit that relationship. Because it's private. And in South Dakota, I know we're like, but David, David, life should be private. We don't, we, we're not flamboyant people. We don't, we, we, we're, we're steady. But I'm telling you, when you go public with who you love, things change. And in fact, let's go where you know I'm going. When you love God, some of us treat that as a moment where we're not going to tell other people. In fact, some of, us, some of us believe that to love God is just between you and God. Uh, that you may have been raised that way. Maybe that was what you were taught, or, or maybe that's what just is safe. And so many times we just think, you know, a person's relationship with God, sometimes we say it, their religion, oh, it's just between them and God. And I would tell you, I don't find evidence of that. And in fact, I think that breaks down. If you want a relationship with God, but you're unwilling to make that public, what does that say about your true relationship with God? And so in fact, I'm going to take you to a point because See, the Bible tells us what to do. If you believe that Jesus did die for you and that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to literally save us from our sins, if you believe that, that's got to be more than just, yeah, David, I believe that, but I've done nothing with it, but I believe it inside. I believe it internally. And so I'm going to take you back in history. Let's go back in history. This will be a brief history lesson for those of you like, I didn't like history class. This will be a brief history lesson. But I want to take you back in history to when the church began, as in the original church. And see, they got to get this information that Jesus 
saved them. And I want you to see what they did with what started to mess with them internally, when they started to believe something about God, when they started to love God. I want you to see what began to happen. This is in Acts. Peter's talking. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. And some of you are like, I've never been to church, David. You just said some words that I don't read regularly. <laughs> the Messiah's resurrection. What he's talking about is when Jesus rose from the dead. He explains even more here. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Well, I want to point something out. I just read something to you. I want you to, don't, don't just gloss over this. He's saying, hey, everybody, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus died, and then he rose from the grave. Now, what you may not know, I can go back in history, and this is all documented. No one raised their hand and said, yeah, I don't believe that. I, I'm not sure that really happened. See, he's actually talking to thousands of people. And when he says, hey, Jesus died, they're like, yep, we saw it. And when they say, and Jesus rose from the dead, they're saying, yep, we saw him. See, see, what you're not going to see is arguments. See, I know in today in the United States, and, and we're so removed thousands of years from this moment, you need to know at that time it was not even arguable. In, in fact, the government got paid off to keep it hush-hush because it was so true and so many people believed it. They tried to control it. So I wanted you to capture, like, what do the people listening, what do they believe? Oh, they know that they saw Jesus, the guy they had seen regularly, die. And they know that they saw him come back to life. And that has messed with them. They're not sure what that all means, but they saw it. So verse 36 tells us more. So let everyone in Israel know for certain, I love those words, <laughs> in a time that you and I live where we're not certain about a lot of things, when we, I know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. See, when he says this, you may not know this, but when he said this, there probably would have been gasps. There would have been audible, like, oh. There would have been, this would have messed with them because they saw Jesus die and come back to life, but they did not know at that moment or did not believe yet that he was Lord, to be like, Lord, as in to lead their lives. But Messiah, whoo, in the original language, for those of you who like to nerd out on this, in the original language, Christos is the word here. That might sound familiar with the word you know. Oh, Jesus Christ. So here's what he's saying. If you're, if you're, if you're seeing this like, David, this is so new to me. I don't understand this. He's saying, okay, so we all agree that Jesus died. We all agree that he came back to life. Let me make sure that everyone understands Jesus is Lord. He is Messiah. In definition, he is our Savior. That's what would have messed with everybody. That's what would have hit people in such a way that they're going, oh my. And so they even give evidence of this. Verse 37 tells us Peter's words pierced their hearts. If you've ever had someone tell you truth that you didn't like or, or that you didn't know, and it was that, oh wow, moment. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to other apostles, brothers, what should we do? I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, I just told you that Jesus has died for you. You didn't see it, and you didn't see him come back to life. But we've got the Bible that tells us, other documents tell us, we know that Jesus, the Son of God, died and came back to life. Now, you've got to decide, what are you going to do with that information? We all do something with it. Some of us are skeptical about it. We're not sure about it. 
Some of us think it's just religion talking. Some of us have owned it and it drives and fuels every day this reality that we can't save ourselves and we need Jesus to. But I love the wording in the Bible. What should we do? So let me press this just real quickly to you. Just think about right now, internally, privately, don't say anything. What have you been doing with the truth, the knowledge, the news that Jesus died for you? So here's what Peter says. Peter replies, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. I love that. Just so you're like, well, the members of certain, no, 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 not the members of certain churches. Not, not, no, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you read in other places of the Bible, when you decide to follow Jesus and turn your life over to him, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit dwells in you. I wanted to highlight a couple of words. The first one is that repent word. Uh, enough of us have driven by different billboards that scream at you and I, in other words, to repent. <laughs> We've read that. We've seen people from street corners yell at us, repent. And, and i got to tell you, the word has become a bit offensive for some of us, going like, will you shut your mouth? In a, in a, well, I love you very much, but will you quit screaming that at me? And the idea of repent seems so brash and harsh. And you need to know that wasn't the intent. Peter wasn't yelling at them and, and berating them. He was saying, repent. In other words, admit that what you've been doing is not the right way to do it confess that your way, your choices, your sins, that you're sorry for them, that the direction you've been going, you've been trying to do it your way, that that's not the right way. Repent. And the word repent, if you break it all down, is not just saying I'm sorry. It's saying I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to go the right direction. So Peter's saying, hey, if you believe that Jesus, if you acknowledge this now that Jesus has died for you, don't just be like, that sounds like a good idea. Don't just keep it internal. You repent internally. You say to God, I'm sorry. And you acknowledge that the direction you've been going is not the right direction, that you press in what Jesus taught me I'm going to do. Now, repent was the first word. That was a part of his sermon. That was about half of his sermon. The other half, repent and be baptized. <laughs> be baptized. If you'll notice this, I'm trying to help you understand and me understand this, is that not only are we supposed to have this internal choice, this internal decision, I love God, I believe that he sacrificed for me. You believe that's internal. But do you notice how... Well, frankly, Peter messed with us. <laughs> He's like, all right, do that. Own that. Yes. And now go let everybody know. And we're like, oh, everyone? See, see, that's how it works. See, this is what unsettles some of us. This is what presses you and I. That's why I told you, when you're able and willing to go public about what's happened internally, oh, that changes it. Because when you're willing to let other people know who you're depending on, who you're following. And this was known. This was not a secret. This was not a mistake. This was not, oh, that sounds like a good idea now that I said it. Oh, God intended that for this to happen, that you and I would not only believe that God loves us, is that we would make that public. In fact, watch this. Jesus believed in this and wanted you and I to get it, that he himself got baptized. See, some of us were so churched, Oh, come on. Some of us are so churched. We're like, I missed my opportunity to get baptized. Or you were baptized as a baby. You didn't make that choice. But you're like, I, my, my time's over. If I get baptized in front of people, they're going to know. 
you got to watch that. So let me, let me show you what Jesus did. This is Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus went from Galilee to, Jordan, to the Jordan River to be baptized. Yay! <laughs> now, a lot of us read this and we're like, that sounds neat. We're doing, no, don't miss this. What you should ask is Galilee, Jordan River. Where are they at? I know you probably taught that in geography class, but, but just a reminder, you need to know that what this is saying is he walked 60 miles to get baptized. 60 miles. 60 miles. See, some of us are like, I've walked 60 miles over the course of my lifetime, probably. Uh, and, and, and it was not like, hey, you know, put on your Nike running shoes. and, and no, that, no, 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 no. He walked through pretty rocky areas, 60 miles trekking to where he would get baptized. So what, what I want you to see in this, as you and I press into, we're going to celebrate a baptism. But what are you willing to do? I mean, uh, for Jesus, for, for God, what, like what, what does that say? Have it set you in where you like, you sit in a seat and it's comfortable and you're like, but I'm going to keep this internal. Jesus valued this so much to trek 60 miles. Some of us, we were brave enough to drive about 10 and, and that's good. But see, this isn't the end of it. If you keep reading, something cool happens. But John tried to talk him out of it. See, some of you being baptized today, someone tried to talk you out of it. Maybe you're the one that tried to talk yourself out of it. I love the Bible. It helps you and I understand that we're normal. We have normal temptations, normal problems. Jesus had someone push back at him and say, I'm not sure I'm the one and I'm not sure about this. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So let, let me just talk to you just for a second, and then we're going to get into celebrating. When it comes to going public about your love for God, not, not what's happened internally. Many of you have had this internal thing happen, but I'm talking about public. If you've never gone public with your love for God, it was the choice that you made, not, not what someone made for you as a, as a baby or, or, or anything like that. Have you gone public? in the ways that we're taught in the Bible to go public. Let me press in even further. Are you brave enough to let what has happened internally to come out of? And I'm telling you, when people got baptized during the times that I'm reading you in the Bible, they went down to typically the Jordan River, one of the most public places in all of society amongst it because that's where people washed their clothes, fed their animals. You're like, both? Yep, both. It was a very public place, and I don't want anyone to ever be misled, especially through this church. Listen, your relationship and love for God was never intended to be just about you and God in the privacy of your home. It was that you would take that relationship and go to a whole nother level and declare it, not that you're perfect, not that you have everything together, but that you're relying on Jesus who does. So to help us, there's a person getting baptized this weekend, and I wanted you to hear her story. So here's what I ask is that you sit back, you press into what I'm about to show you, and listen to her story. She's going to get baptized this weekend, but hear the bravery, but hear how willing she is to go public about her love for God. Take a look. My life before Jesus was just kind of 
a blur. Like, I was never raised in a church kind of environment. I never, I went to church with my great grandma, but that's kind of more for like babysitting, so she was there. I realized I needed Jesus when I was basically broken. Like, I had, I didn't know what I wanted to be, who I was supposed to be. Like, I was just like, oh, I have no friends, I'm alone. And I felt like I just had so much sorrow and hate in my life. I was in my college dorm room after a meeting at Chi Alpha. It's a Christian group for my college. And they talked about um, giving your life to Christ. And I was like, Jesus, I can't do this alone in my life anymore. Like, I, I need you in my life. And all that weight from all the sorrow, the hatred that I had, just everything, like all the depression was lifted off, to, off of me. And I just felt like a sense of relief and a sense of peace in the end. I'm a completely different person. I'm patient, I'm, I'm more kind, I'm just, I'm a better person all because of Jesus.